I'm Taffer. I'm Caddy. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club, and you're invited. Yeah! take this time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands that we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the colonial mindset. We encourage you to take some time today and every day to reflect on your relationship with the land that you live on and the Indigenous communities of the area. I think this episode is coming out around American Thanksgiving, so you know. Think about it. So today, we are reading, or we already read, in fact, and we're going to talk about... (laughs) This is now a podcast where we just read a book. It's an audiobook podcast now. Uh, (laughs) Things We Couldn't Say by Jay Coles. Um, Caddy, this was, I think, your recommendation. It was. um, By Characters for the Win. Um, I had heard about this book just through reading up... uh, on like new books out in 2021 and uh you know we like our intersectionality and i love more and more reading sensitive and more critical stories about queer men Mm -hmm. um it's 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 definitely something that is new to me and that really speaks to me and also i'm going to be really honest and shallow and say that the book cover for this book caught my eye now for those who haven't seen it yet um the cover for the things we couldn't say is like a like reddish orange kind of wash with a beautiful young man mm-hmm. and uh, these like uh, these 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 teardrops uh, golden teardrops falling all over and like even the font used like there is something so clean and so warm about this book that really just it captured my attention it made me want to dive in head first and there's something about the uh the image on it being so close to photography mm-hmm. and so close to a painting mm-hmm. um that really muddles you and i think that in terms of just like having read it now it's also interesting because you're reading it and it's fiction but it's it's some real realistic fiction yeah. <laughs> let's just put it out uh let's just put it that way so uh yeah that that's what really sucks me in and i'm really glad that we read this mm-hmm. yeah it's the cover is absolutely stunning and I, I i think it's fun that you said it's like between being painterly and being a photograph because i've gotten like nose to nose with this cover so many times and i'm i'm actually still not positive whether it's a photograph or a hyper realistic painting um yep. it's it's beautifully lit and it's beautifully warm in a way that yes. feels very painterly uh it's gorgeous 
I mean, it's yeah. so gorgeous. Like, I guess authors often shout out the cover art in their acknowledgments, but it felt particularly heartfelt in yes. this one. 100%. Um, yeah. And I think that it's it's interesting because even just, like, looking at it, it made me think a little bit of Concrete Rose. Yeah. Um, also, like, I think the, the use of red as, like, a shade of, like, vulnerability mm. with, like, young men and young black men in particular is pretty interesting. And... Um, yeah, there's some softness, you know, yeah. there's there's definitely lots of vulnerability in both those books. Well, and this one, I'm looking at it very up close now because I have it. I have the hardcover mm-hmm. in my hands. And, Beautiful. Um, yeah, and I will photograph this for our Instagram. The red is like, it's almost a persimmon. It's like a little bit orangey. It's in... That just adds this extra layer of warmth, and the the mm-hmm. teardrops are like metallic, so they sometimes they look black if it's at the right angle, and sometimes they like pop. It's really there's a lot of subtlety in the cover that matches the subtlety in the book, which is Boom. very fun. Yes, yes, because ultimately, okay, so this is a story about um, Geo, um, and Geo's life is falling apart. Let's just let's just name mm-hmm. it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he has an absent parent who returns. Uh, he has a present parent who is complex. <laughs> you know, like who is complex and absent uh, yeah. due to uh, alcoholism. There's, you know, his 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 need to take care of others. Um, and anyways, and it's just. I don't want to give too much away. It's kind of odd, like, because it's not a book that contains, like, spoilers. But at the same time, it's like a, it's a bit of a, a, kind of like a blooming flower that just reveals layer after layer of complexity. Um, It truly is a lovely, I'm not going to call it a coming of age story, because it's not, it's not actually about sexuality which is kind of amazing Mm. um but i think it's a story about finding home within ourselves let's just put it that way does that work does that that, work does that speak to you yeah Yeah, i uh and actually the way you phrased that i think just gave me some clarity as to why i found this one so hard to read which i'll touch on but i had to take this it's wonderful and i and i i'm glad i read it and but i had to take it very slow in little little chunks because it's very intense emotionally so this one is a new release it was released in 2021 and usually we do spoiler free reviews for new releases i'm not sure that we can do this book justice with a spoiler-free review. That's fair. Um, so I'm wondering if maybe for this one, just for a special a special exception, we should say this review contains spoilers and you should probably read the book. <laughs> so if you need to pause and go read it and come back to this, I know a lot of you do that already anyway, even with spoiler-free reviews, we encourage and respect that choice (laughs) yeah and also i think that it's important to say off the top it's a book worth reading this is this is a beautiful complex book this is not a light and fluffy read and and i echo that like it's not the easiest read it it's a challenging one not so much in terms of format like it's not complex vocabulary or or concepts being brought but it's just that it is heavy Mm -hmm. and this is ultimately a story about trauma Mm -hmm. without it being trauma porn um which is a very very uh cool thing uh because as you may know 
we're not the biggest fans of trauma porn. No, but this <laughs> is such it's such a um, nuanced exploration of trauma and of generational trauma. And the way it's written, I feel, takes a very wide lens, um, perhaps because it stays very planted. I mean, we're in limited third person narrator here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we only know what Geo knows. We don't know anything else. Um, there were, I had like a hunch with the storyline with his mom. I don't know if you also got that hunch, but like, yes. yeah, but I, I certainly didn't get all of it. And that builds it, it builds out from the character and that makes it not trauma porn. That makes it sensitive. It's about the experience. And I think you said it, um, that his whole thing is that he's focused outward. He's focused on taking care of other people. Mm-hmm. I especially see this with his little brother. He really steps up and takes a parental role, as we often see in complex family dynamics, um, and is, is in many ways parenting his little brother. I felt that many of the explorations of sort of walls that he had put up were navigated really sensitively. So often with YA books with uh, about boys, especially about queer boys, we get kind of a buildup and burst of catharsis often. We have somebody whose walls are so firm and so tight that all this stuff builds up and then they have a big cathartic blowout moment. And that is the, um, the, the apex of the book. That's the climax of the, of the story. And this one, I think, is a much more... Well, that's realistic for some people. But this is a different experience of navigating trauma where... And I think a possibly a more common experience of navigating trauma where just there are just little ruptures in the walls here and there until one of them is completely gone, right? Or one of them mm-hmm. is mostly gone. And suddenly he realizes, oh, this one is gone now. This is something I was doing. And I think that's a much more realistic... Well, okay, I don't want to say realistic because the other experience is an experience that people have and it's a valid experience. Yeah, they're all valid experiences, yeah. but this is perhaps um it's it's yes, I understand I understand <laughs> how it's complicated like mm-hmm. it walks a very clear tightrope. And yeah. I think it walks a tightrope between complex trauma, so attachment trauma to situational trauma as well and like how to heal when you are constantly faced with oppression uh you know with (laughs) (laughs) like even on the micro level like geo can't get a break man let's be honest like yeah i mean he is he is he is a black bisexual teenager who is a child of a a, uh, a clergy person? Yeah, and whose birth mother uh, left him? Yeah, uh, as a child and reappears. Like, mm-hmm. it's tough. Uh, in so many ways, this is a book about intersectional trauma and intersectional experiences. Yes, and um, again, done very subtly, not done in a preachy way at all. Uh, we have white characters in the story who learn things about racism and we have straight characters in the story who learn things about queerness Mm -hmm. but there's never a big like after school special moment about any of it um it's just like so many YA books coming out now it's just a book about people having experiences 
and you learn from seeing those experiences if you have anything to learn or you just feel close to it and seen yeah um, yeah we're stepping away from the fairy tale and really walking into let's about an it's an observation of a reality that is different mm -hmm. from another person's mm -hmm. and um, I definitely want us to talk about um, religion a little bit because uh, as someone who is staunchly um, faithfully a bit of an anarchist I guess yeah. I, I don't really know how to define my, my, my faith you know understanding the challenges of Christianity mm -hmm. in particular and like you know I, I I am a person of this world I read a lot of news articles sometimes I shouldn't <laughs> um, but understanding sort of the depth of the complexity of the structure of evangelical churches and the pressures that mm -hmm. exist in that in that kind of environment and the pressures that exist not only on geo but also on geo's dad who is a i'm sorry preacher pastor wizard um i always forget all of the above yes and uh, <laughs> um and who is also a deeply flawed and hurt man as well who struggles with his alcohol consumption and and who is the parent who stayed but who's the parent who isn't there yeah and how that like is in complete opposition to what the faith dictates and sort of this model that's supposed to be put forward of being like the responsible person in the church who cares for all these parishioners or peoples um listen i'm always going to get these things wrong but i don't mind um i don't think you've gotten anything wrong yet just for okay the record. good good i mean except for wizard Thank we goodness. don't we don't usually use that one but. that's fair um but yeah like to see like this this patriarchal figure who takes care of of a congregation and who takes care of a community who leads but who is unable to fulfill those duties within his own family um, is very interesting and and makes me wonder about sort of that weird dichotomy of of playing faith like like representing faith and living faith Oh, Caddy. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Gio's dad and that whole relationship is familiar to anybody who has a parent who is clergy. Um, uh, I, well, I mean, I suppose I did not grow up in in expansive churches so I guess somebody who grew up with a united pastor since like 95 might not be like this but so for one thing I want to like put it out there that black evangelical churches are a different culture from white evangelical churches and mm. that's an experience that I don't have the nuance of that I didn't spend a lot of time in black evangelical churches for clear mm -hmm. reasons um but the experience of your parent having work that is supposed to be all-consuming and your parent having a responsibility that is supposed to come before all responsibilities. And really, I mean, at least it's been my experience for, for myself and for other friends who had 
clergy dads. I mean, we'll just say it, pastor dads, because that's what we're talking about here. That's what we're actually talking about. Clergy here. dads, pastor um, dads. Pastor dads. And I mean, this is why, like, I have so many very beloved friends who are going into clergy. And this is why, despite all of that, I am pretty anti-clergy because mm. I have just never seen it go well for anybody. Um, <laughs> and it's exhausting. It's so much responsibility for one person. Um, and it's a situation where it makes me kind of understand why Catholic priests cannot get married, you know? Mm. Like, that changed, and Protestant churches really encourage marriage for pastors. But I really found myself thinking a lot about the role of the pastor's wife, because mm. that's a thing that happens in that shift. Now, the Protestant Reformation, we're just going to get a little history here, but the Protestant Reformation is saying not only should cler our clergy okay to get married, clergy should get married because pastors need to set the example of a godly marriage to their church because yes. pastors become not just somebody who runs the ministry and keeps an eye out for the congregation, but somebody who has to be the paradigm of the godly life. And that is, I think, kind of the issue with why Protestant preachers can can have so much pressure. Um, I didn't grow up Catholic, so looking at it from an outside perspective, it just kind of seems more like a job when you're a Catholic priest. Like, you have a lot more oversight, you have a lot more support, it's much more structured. Uh -huh. Whereas when you're talking about sort of non-denominational or, or very loosely denominational Protestant churches, there's very little support. And the there's there's a lot of oversight and there's very little Ooh. support. Um, and the pastor is supposed to be the example. And that is something that, like, as a pastor's kid, it hammered into me. There were so many choices made around our home where our parents would say, this isn't necessarily something we align with, but it's sure as hell something we're all going to do. Uh, because otherwise, dad could lose his job. Ooh. <laughs> I'm having a seventh heaven moment. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like, this yeah. is very much that, like. Of just being like, oh, I think I just understood that entire show in one moment. Because it's like, <laughs> you mess up. We lose this beautiful house and well, like that's it. Our, and, and, our, our status. And, and that was it. Yeah. Our, our housing was provided through the church. There's no way we could have afforded how We were living in Boston. We couldn't have afforded housing without that. Wild. Yeah. So the pressure. Wow, we're really. This is maybe why I had to take this book so slow, right? Um, the inordinate amount of pressure. So then the pastor's wife. And we talk. We have two pastor's wives in this book who handle it differently. Um, the pastor's wife is supposed to support this image, right? The pastor's mm -hmm. wife. And this is something like, um, oh, my God, this is such. We're getting into theology here. We're getting into kind of twisted theology here. The church is the bride of Christ. The church submits to Christ in all things as Christ's perfect bride. The pastor's wife, the pastor is the image of Christ in the congregation. The pastor's wife is the image of the church in the congregation. The pastor's oh wife must submit to the pastor in all things or they're not being an appropriate reflection of Christ in the church. Uh, and that's a problem. Mm. So, okay, clearly, I don't know... Like, the church I grew up in was very fundamentalist, and this was all hammered very strongly home. Geo's church seems less 
fundamentalist and also has a cultural nuance to it that is not a cultural nuance that I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not going to try to put too much of that onto this particular church, but this is sure what came up for me. Um, but we have Gio's mom, Jackie, who shows up mm -hmm. in this book after having disappeared for like 10 years. Yep. And uh, Gio's stepmom, Karina, whose storyline I love and who I love. She's an incredible character. And like, shout out to step parents. Yep. Shout out to step parents. This is like, this is some, J. Cole's did some big work yeah. here. Uh, yep. Yeah. Yep. Great character. So we see what we find out ultimately is that Gio's mom had all those pressures and did not know how to cope with them. And her response was to run away. I think we will talk more about Jackie. Jackie brought up all kinds of stuff for me. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. we also have Karina, who is Gio's stepmom, who uh, it seems like married his dad maybe pretty soon after Jackie left. Like, it seems like there wasn't too much of a wait time because he had two small children and didn't really know how to parent them. Um, doesn't really know how to parent them still. But Karina steps in and is a parent to Theo and Gio. Theo and Gio. I didn't put that together. <gasps> it rhymes. But then... Um, oh, God. <laughs> Theo and Gio but, going <laughs> on adventures. Um, but where Theo really sees her as his mom, Gio yes. always has this distance because he has this loyalty to his mom that's and and nobody's ever helped him process it nobody's ever sat down with him and been like like he went to a little bit of counseling but nobody's ever been like okay let's talk about these feelings uh and given him space to yes. process it so he is still processing it the way a seven-year-old would because he's never been able to get out of that space which which leads us to one more moment of like What's wrong with adults today? Um, like, look, this is 100% a story where the parents are humans. And I spent a lot of this book mad at them mm -hmm. um, because there are people who had kids for a narcissistic or performative reason and who didn't necessarily consider the ethics of raising a child yeah. and especially within a religious context which for me is just I, I don't get it so it, it makes it more complex like I I, yeah. I get it theoretically but like in my in my bones it doesn't feel sensical so yeah having kids I get a little defensive of this so I'm just gonna <laughs> no I love um, that yes having kids in a religious context when you've been raised in that religious context as we find out Gio's dad has been and really yeah. been put on it's it's very, very complicated. And I get very defensive of people, very defensive when people say it's narcissistic because uh, you don't have a choice. Like, mm. really, really, when you're raised in that kind of community, or at least the kind of community I was raised in, you are told from your earliest days that you're going to have kids. Again, I don't know that this is Dio's father's experience specifically, but it, it, it's, it's always treated as an inevitable thing that will happen when you get married 
and you're supposed to get married young so that you don't have sex outside of marriage because it gets harder and harder. You're not really given any sex ed. You're not really given any understanding of birth control. So even if you're trying not to have kids for a few years because you want to be in a more stable place, it happens. And like most of my friends who like me got married young and had kids young were trying to wait. Um, That's... Thank you for th- yeah. no. Thank you for that. I think that's really important because context is key, mm-hmm. and I. But it doesn't set you up to be a better parent. <laughs> like that doesn't, no, it, that doesn't it, set it, you up. No, and I don't think that I, I don't think this absolves a lot of the, like all yeah. of the, the 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 trash. But I think that it's important. I like this context that you put in of like it is drilled into your brains from the second you can think for yourself. Yeah. And that it's a duty. So it's not even narcissistic. It's really doing it for other. You're doing it for God. And not thinking about yourself and sort of your Oh, yeah, that definitely plays into, like, all the tropes yeah. of women who are only, like, give, it's the giving of self and yep. not having of self. Yeah. That makes it really complicated and how this idea of motherhood is perceived as, as this gift. Yeah. So I'm giving you everything, all of my resources, including, like, my own biomaterial. Yes. And, like... <laughs> You know, and and it's just this constant outpouring of stuff and there's nothing coming back in, which means that I just understood Jackie's character a bit more. Yeah. Oh, that's really And I mean Thank you, Teffer. Like again, I wanna (laughs) make I wanna make it clear that I grew up in a fundamental religion that is adjacent to the quiverful movement. So like there's a lot there around children that does not seem to be the case in this church because you don't see people with ten kids. But there is, I think, throughout conservative Christianity this idea that if you just well no there is I'm saying I think but like this is kind of the whole point if you follow God to the letter everything will be okay so you had kids and you don't feel ready for it do what God says you should do which is Mm. Gio's dad right you don't know how to handle being a father send your kid a billion scripture verses every day about the thing you're worried about because then God will reward you for doing the right thing. And now I want to reread this book. <laughs> having a bit more of this information. And I knew that this would be a fun conversation mm-hmm. because we, we we come at at religion from very different experiences. Mm-hmm. And and this is very it's very interesting to hear because it's very much like lifting the curtain over how the others live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that very, very intriguing. And I wonder I definitely see how it would be a much harder read. Yeah. Now. <laughs> so then, yeah, so yeah. you mentioned understanding Jackie better. And wow, like, oof. Yeah, I understand Jackie. Like, yeah. I think she's uh I think she's handled exactly right. I think I think the the like the boundaries that are set are exactly right. I actually think that Gio's dad finally handles it well um, towards the end of the book. But we find out that Jackie left because she's gay and she fell in love with a woman. And as the pastor's wife, like leaving your husband for a woman is a scandal no matter what community you're in, right? We're just, we haven't, we aren't past that yet. No. (laughs) Um, Leaving your husband, period, is still a scandal let alone leaving your husband because you're gay. And then she's being the pastor's wife. She has two little kids. 
She has very little support because we see that with Gio's dad. And she panics and she leaves her kids. And then she is so burdened by shame that she does not feel that she can build bridges until it's too late. I mean, the element (laughs) of religion, I think that that's, that's, it's, it's, it's kind of mind blowing um, because I understand the isolation of mm-hmm. blackness and the isolation of creating scandal within just a, a prescribed black community. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've lived through it. I've seen it and all of that. But when you add on the religion context, it is true that it's a different it's a different an- analysis grid mm-hmm. because, it, you know, we're. we're truly looking at a character who's a minority and a minority and a minority and i'm not gonna say oppressed minority because christians i don't think are an oppressed minority (laughs) i know that some would disagree and i'm sorry um but just the weight of that i think that i think that's really interesting and especially because j cole himself uh j coles i'm sorry um is actually quite religious himself Mm -hmm. that 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 kind of gobsmacked me honestly when i got to the end of this book and got to the acknowledgements and the first one was like to my lord and savior i was like wait hold on yeah (laughs) i was like how did you write this experience so well and and you have not distanced yourself from it but i think i mean this is the thing this is where i can't put my own experience onto other people Mm -hmm. because i know many people who have gone on to find their healing through a model of Christianity that is accepting and affirming and focuses on God as love. And one thing that I really like in Gio's dad's development is that at the end, he preaches an actually good and helpful sermon just for Gio. And okay, this is another pastor kid thing, but like, you know, when your dad's preaching at you. Uh, I uh, grew up with uh, very little religion, and I knew when my father was <laughs> preaching at me. <laughs> you just and there's nothing quite like sitting in the pew and being like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> <laughs> Listen, patriarchy gonna patriarch everywhere, right? But this time, Gio's dad is preaching to Gio in a really healing and affirming way. And Gio is going, I've never seen this side of the Bible before. And I think we see this as this baby step towards Mm -hmm. both him and his dad navigating this. And this is one of those places where I think Gio's dad's church being a kind of non-denominational community thing is really positive and valuable because we see a future where Gio's dad instead of just accepting all the pressure that he has about what a pastor can be can say what good can I do in my sphere yeah what good can I do to make this church a safe place for my son and people like my son I had so many things to say about this book and now we've just been talking about religion shall we talk a little bit about (laughs) uh about the romance because there's romance oh yeah there's a (laughs) bit of romance in this story too I mean like listen we wouldn't review the book if there wasn't a little yes oof that's like a segue that like for the ages (laughs) I just, there's only so many times I can tear up during a recording. <laughs> yeah, but it, I, I, I want to be honest and say, like, 
yes, the re there's relationship stuff and all of that, but I think that this is also what's coming up for us is is crucial, right? Mm -hmm. This is this this is this is the good stuff, mm -hmm. right? And and that that vulnerable read of the story that you like it's it's so precious and it's it's something that i know i'm very grateful for and i think that our uh audience is also very grateful grateful for it because it's a human read of it mm -hmm. it's a human analysis it's we can we can theorize from from until we're blue in the face but the the truth is that this resonated for a reason mm -hmm. and the same way that the story resonated with me for, for, for themes of, you know, just like bisexuality and sort of it not being a big deal. Yeah. Right. And, and um, I, I want to like, as we start moving towards like more of the relational stuff in the book, that is the most comforting thing um, because now it's not like, you know, we talk about by erasure all the time and this was like by exposure yes! um, because most by pan like, and, and by not in the sense of, of binary, but by in, in the sense of like just other genders, there's something really nice about bisexuality not being a big deal. As someone who has always been queer ever since Tim Curry appeared in the Rocky Horror Picture Show and like my body went like, yep, <laughs> nothing normative here. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's something really nice about it not being a big deal, not being a big deal in, in the circle of friends, not being a big deal. Just generally, it's just kind of this like, yeah, I exist. I'm attracted to everyone. What? Okay, great. Like, doesn't mean it's a party in my pants constantly. Like it's not, it's not something that needs to be justified. Yeah. And bisexuality is a part of, or, or queerness or whatever alphabet mafia acronym you want to use. Like it is really just about like, yeah, it's just a thing. Mm -hmm. We really don't have to make a big deal out of it. And especially in a book with so much religious undertones, it's really nice to just like, feel like we've gotten to the place where like, who I spend time with or am attracted to or like touches my bits is not at all important. Um, who I am is important. Yeah. And uh, I really, really want to congratulate uh, Jay Coles for, for, for doing that because it's baffling. You know, you, I have spent my entire life thinking that religion was such a, like religion with a capital R with rules and stuff, um, you know, as as something that tells you who you must be. Mm -hmm. But to really see it from the other perspective is really nice. That was really nice. I'm, <laughs> I'm very proud of that. Very like congratulations to Jay Coles for doing yeah. that because that was that's quite nice. I think it's really significant on that note that um, the only person who has an issue with mm -hmm. geosexuality is his dad and his dad is kind of treated as an outlier in that like even Karina his stepmother and I mean I'm coming back to her because like oh my god she's she's so good and she gets that recognition at the end of the book and it's wonderful we get Geo saying oh you've always been my mom mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which is just Somebody as somebody deeply invested in in a step parent uh, was a really lovely moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But even Karina, Karina, I keep saying her name differently. Um, you know, it's one of those ones that 
has an eye <laughs> that might be long and might be short. Um, I think it's probably Karina. Yes, I think yeah. so. Yeah. She, like, tells Gio's dad repeatedly. Like, Gio just is bisexual. This is just who he is. You can't change it. And his dad just kind of does a little, like, (laughs) 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 Yeah, but it's very much a, like, grumble, grumble, grumble. All right, I'm over it. Let's move on. Yeah, it is. (laughs) And we get a really lovely moment where Gio's dad comes to him and is just like, I think I fucked all of parenting up. Yeah. Just like, I think I have done all of this wrong. I have no idea how to fix it. Yeah. But I'm I'm going to try. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And the honesty, it feels a little abrupt, that scene in the book, I think. Mm-hmm. But also, like, maybe it just always feels abrupt when your parent comes to you and says, I think I've fucked all of this up. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And in that sense, I mean, this, it's interesting because hearing you say it and, 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 you know, having sort of felt similarly, I think that this actually is a YA book that was written for adults and, and yeah. youth alike. Um, because there's some, it's kind of like Shrek, you know, it's got some nuggets, some jokes in there and some, some tidbits that are really for um, the young reader 10 years, 20 years down the line when they're the ones who are passing this book along yeah. to their kids and kind of rereading it and going, oh shit. Like, <laughs> where did I go wrong? Or like, I went right and I did the right thing kind of thing. Like, I find that really interesting and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate that. Ultimately, what I love about this book, this is like my overarching review of it, is that It is a book about generational trauma and the way people can be in impossible situations and make the wrong choice in impossible situations. And it makes space to hold compassion for that. And it Mm -hmm. also enforces boundaries around that. So we come to a place where we can understand why Jackie has done what she did. And we can Mm -hmm. understand where she is and why she's continuing to fuck up. But we don't have to make any excuses for it. It can come down to, I understand why you did this. I see the ways you were hurt that led to this. And the way you treated your kids is still wrong. And the way you're continuing to treat your kids is still wrong. And both of these things exist. Um, And your kids saying, no, I don't want to actually open myself to your mess too is the right choice because I I I think it's really just so essential for kids to see a model where your parent or your guardian or an adult in your life does not have to be a monster to be bad for you and I think it's so important to have it modeled that you can set boundaries with somebody even if they love you and even if they've asked for forgiveness it's okay to say I forgive you but I don't want anything more to do with you if a relationship has only caused you pain even if you understand it that's so necessary 100% yeah that is wow yep I mean, that's like, you know, it's personally resonant for me, but it's it's just 
so important. One It is, yeah. One last point that I meant to make earlier and then I got distra- <laughs> distracted. Uh, <laughs> I actually read a lot of basketball boy books, YA books mm. as a teen. I read, like, for a while, I read a lot of YA books from boys' perspectives uh, because, <laughs> because I felt a little bit like a boy. Um, mm. And... This one felt nostalgic for me, which is fun because it has so many very current themes in it and so much current emotional maturity around it. But it also really strongly has that vibe of a sports book for boys. And I love that. I love having... The queer teenager who's navigating his identity and his abandonment issues and caring for his little brother is also a basketball star. And we get to see basketball games because I love that. I love (laughs) sports games in YA books. At some point, I'm going to make us read a bunch of sports books. I love sports books. and I love it. Let's do it. It was just really fun because it was like this reminded me of those like paperback books that were like terrible. The only plot line is like, can I make it to college on a sports scholarship or will I discover that I'm good at math? But like, (laughs) but it was fun. Like, I like that we have a bisexual jock. Yeah. Who is injured and emotionally vulnerable and very good at basketball. (laughs) Yes. Okay, so there is a love story. So uh, David, uh, I'm unfortunately too tainted by uh, Shit's Creek to <laughs> call anyone David otherwise. Um, David moves to the area and uh, joins basketball team. And it's like we get a little sports, little sports meet cute, little, sports little, little sports romance. And it's not... And it's totally cool. And I think that that's, it, it is really fun to be like, oh yeah, two dudes on a basketball team can totally date. And do you hear that NBA? Right. I mean, listen, uh, if my sports calculations are right in the WNBA, um, the Chicago skies i don't know the name of the team i don't whatever um but there's a married couple in the team and they won a championship and they were like we wives we're wives and we won and i was like this is really cool um i want more of that all other sports leagues get well to get it together um, i want um, marrieds the canadian soccer team and the american soccer team the captains are married Yes, I heard about that. That's very gay, and I love it. It's the it, that's like the most lesbian situation ever. It's it like, really is. like, but I would. I'm captain of this team. You're captain of that team. We're gonna trade shirts at the end of the show, and then you're gonna big spoon me. Like whoever loses, big spoons. It's, and like, it's the bend it like Beckham. We deserved. It really is. Yeah. Oh my god. So more, um, more gays in sports, please. More gays in sports. Please. More gays in sports, more I, like more cheesy. Like let's just like destroy all those old tropes from like before times. I think it's okay to just like throw a big old literary bomb in there and just be like, okay, we're done with it. Mm-hmm. We have turned the page collectively and we're just moving forward. We're not gonna grapple with it. We're not gonna be critical. No, we're just gonna move on. Two guys on a basketball team dating. 
boom. It's a thing. It's okay. It's not a big deal. And their team doesn't really care. And I like that because this is, okay, we've touched on one of my little gripes. I have this little gripe, which is that I feel like in so many ways, the queer community still operates on a night, like, 80s John Waters movie principle where if you like sports or play sports you are toxic masculinity and queers don't exist in sports and like I thought A, I thought Glee worked on this a little bit Um, (laughs) but like oh my, like we talked about bisexuality being not a big deal bisexuality in men is still so fucking gatekept so gatekept where it's like oh you're bi but you don't like perform queerness in the way that I expect like it comes I mean we've talked about how how bi erasure comes from inside and outside the queer community a lot Mm -hmm. but I think especially with men I think that's one of the reasons that it made me so happy that he is a a sports boy Um, yes because like oh my god just it's so weird it's so weird to like see that like anti-sports push when yeah. it's like you know this is a, a game people play for fun <laughs> and 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 that's it like the stakes are not that high and it's okay and also i really yeah. like about this relationship um it's a relationship that isn't fix everything yeah um and and i like that it's like it's a budding relationship it's the coming of age part of Mm -hmm. this story which is really lovely but it's not a like and then i fell in love and now everything is better it's like oh this one aspect of my life is going really well everything is kind of everything else is kind of in the shitter like and and things kind of shift kind of like oh no i was gonna make a reference to to the book series that shall not be named (laughs) um (laughs) But yeah, anyway, so someone is always in, in, something is always in in mortal peril, you know, like in in, in the worst possible situation. So it's nice that the relationship was the relationship and it fulfills a certain need Mm -hmm. that Gio has, but it doesn't, like, being in a relationship does not grant you moral virtue. It doesn't, it doesn't elevate your, your, your well-being. It just means that you have a person who touches your butt sometimes and like consensually and whatever like I think that okay goes further Sorry, than I that liked, I liked that description of a relationship as a this person is, who touches your I... butt sometimes <laughs> consensually especially because they're basketball players yeah and there's a lot <laughs> yeah. of butt touching in basketball there is uh, so much butt patting yeah. but yeah no I think it's important totally. to 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 show that and for young folks to also understand because it's true that even in very Christian stories like it's like the love of your spouse is like the love of your creator and like you should find all of your um, all of the stuff that you need within that it's like no it's it's good and this is nice and it helps me feel like myself in those moments but it doesn't mean that I'm not struggling with the fact that I was abandoned as a, as a young child mm-hmm. or well, anything like that you and, know? and David also has his own shit going on and they're both allowed mm-hmm. to be grumpy sometimes and they're both allowed to let each other down sometimes and that doesn't affect how much they like each other which is like really nice like there's a wonderful scene where Gio is like I'm so mad at you and I still really like you and want to be near you what's going on yeah (laughs) Um, yeah which is a very accurate portrayal of a relationship 
<laughs> yeah. Um, and also, just because we talked about touching butts, there's a really nice sex scene. There's a really yeah, nice first sex scene that's like super low key and casual and nicely navigated. I'm very proud of this book. I have to say, like, I, I have no connection to it, but I'm very proud of this book. And I'm proud of Jay Coles for writing this book because it's going to change some minds, mm-hmm. I think, and I hope. And uh, I hope this book, this story makes some waves. Like, honestly, yeah, I, I, it's a it's a pleasurable read. It's It's not easy, but when you have a bit of space to get emotionally invested into a story... I think this is this is a good one for folks out there. Yes. Um, this is one to donate to your library. Mm. Like, I'm just going to put that out there, please. Or don't donate it to your library. Request it at your library. It costs you nothing to request it at your library. And it could be extremely important for somebody to have this. 100%. Like, for me, like, I mean, we've talked about libraries. The only way that I discovered anything about queerness as a teenager was the library. So, like, there's there's a kid like Gio out there who needs this story. 100%. Please get it into his hands. 100%. <laughs> Thank you for recommending this one. You're welcome. So good. Well, thanks for listening to Yeah. If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi. And please say hi. Send us an email at theyeahpodcast at gmail.com. I'm going to put it out there that we also, I haven't put this into the outro yet, but we have a guest request form now. It's pinned on our Twitter. And if you want to be a guest on our show, if you want to come in and talk about a book, a theme, a topic, you can fill that form out. I'm going to put it out there that we have limited space and it's very popular. So it may take a little while and probably not all requests will get responded to. But this is a way for us to keep an eye out there and find cool guests and hear what you have to say about books. So if that's something that you're excited about, um, please go fill that out. And and Mm -hmm. we really love to talk to you. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at Yeah Podcast. And individually, I'm at Tefferbear. And I'm at Caddy underscore D. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. You can get all kinds of great perks, including early access to bonus content, shout outs, guest appearances, and then some. Head to patreon.com slash yeahpodcast to donate. Shout out to our patrons, Catherine Reshi, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Chantal Thomas, Maddie Dever, Megan Jane, and Emmett Cameron. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Public. Wahoo! Get some! You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. I think a friend uh, who might be in a reading funk. Mm. This this might be this might be a good one to to help lift some spirits out of a reading funk. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tefra Jemian and edited by Tom Zalat and I as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com. Thanks, Tom. Bye-bye. Hello, my name is Stefan, and please join me every week for my podcast, Some Good Friends, a show where I talk to some good friends of mine. 
And I think you're gonna like them just as much as I do because they're crazy and they're wacky and they're hilarious and they're definitely real people and not characters made up just for the sake of comedy. It comes out every Monday early in the morning. Dungeons, Dragons, Canada, the Multiverse Theory, Corgis, Queer Representation, Reconciliation, Angels, Demons, Squirrels, Moose, Moose and Squirrels, Sorcerers, Dinosaurs, Forests, Giants, Rogues, Warlocks, Plains, Sewers, Lavender, Natural Toonie, a Canadian Dungeons and Dragons podcast, right here on the Upford Network. (laughs) 